Hello and welcome to another Charity Chat podcast. My name is Osman Mughal and I am your host today. We had the pleasure to speak to Haraman Benchi, founder of Code Your Future. Code Your Future is a non-profit organisation supporting refugees and those from a disadvantaged background with the dream of becoming developers. In 2016, Code Your Future launched its eight-month web development programme coached by a group of professional developers. Today, they have programmes in London, Manchester, Glasgow and Rome with ambitions to take this programme far and wide. Today's discussion focuses on why Code Your Future was set up, its vision, how it is providing the next generation of developers and the skills and opportunities it is opening up for hundreds of people. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, um, your background, and what you're currently doing at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name is Herman. I'm originally from Venezuela, but I've been living in the UK for over 10 years now. Um, my background is in the tech sector. Um, I studied engineering in Venezuela and in Germany, then came to the UK. Uh, to work in the sector and spend, you know, had a whole career working for various tech companies. Not, um, not as a developer, but I was in in charge of um, the strategy of um, new products, uh, partnerships across uh, the organization, looking, helping also people to be more inventive in their creations, and a number of different areas that were fairly very creative, very um, sort of like blue sky thinking, so you know, quite interesting while, you know, the time that I was. And right now I'm, I'm, the, I'm leading an organization called Code Your Future. What is the premise behind Code Your Future? What does it help to do? And what's its ambition and what, what's its vision for the yeah. future? So Code Your Future uh, supports refugees and people from other disadvantaged backgrounds to start a new life. Uh, through vocational training in the tech sector, specifically a software developer, and support to gain a foot in the tech industry as a professional developer. So we believe that one of the fundamental ways to help somebody to start a new life is by offering them a new career. Absolutely. And we believe that through, uh, through technology, specifically through development, um, people can fundamentally reshape, you know, change the course of their lives in a fairly short amount of time. So the way we do it is that we offer a part-time, eight-month uh, technical training that is volunteering-led. So professionals from the industry are coming to the organization, offering their time, their skills, their expertise, and their contacts to train a group of disadvantaged people. Um, and during that period, they would learn the essential on how to start a career as a junior developer. And then we will help them find those contacts to get interviews and, and hopefully to gain jobs. Absolutely. And I think that link that you made between 
the organizations and the uh, people that you work with is really important because you're pooling together those resources of those already in the tech sector and those that want to get into the tech sector so what I wanted to first ask you about is you said that you um, had a career in tech before you founded Code Your Future what was your reason in starting up Code Your Future what you know why did you really want to do that and why was that your passion yeah so um, I think one of one of the reasons was to as an insider at least for a while in the tech industry is to understand how valuable it is once you have a skill in this area how far you can go absolutely yeah, I would spend so much time traveling in Europe meeting so many founders who many of them were very inexperienced but they had that skill they were developers they had a, a good awareness of the of the industry and they were starting whole companies organizations or joining other companies with that with that skill um, second of all was that the barrier of entry was relatively low if you come from any other industry as an engineer you most of the time you need to have a degree from university you need to be certified qualified before anybody will offer you a job as a developer it's very different all you need to do is to show that you can develop and that you can work with other people that you know how to develop products and you can show it so much because what you're effectively is just you're writing you're typing in a computer and then you're showing what it is that you're typing so you create a portfolio and anybody can see yeah. in plain sight what are your skills and the third reason is that um, while I, I, I saw there was so much potential in this skill I, I, I continuously felt frustrated that in the tech industry there is a lack of diversity uh, both from a, an ethnic background and also from a socio-economic background right. so the promises of you know uh, uh, an internet and a, and a software that was very open available for everybody hasn't really materialized uh, if you see the sector you you keep seeing the same a, a reflection of society of the of the unbalances and the unfairness of it because the skills are concentrated in a small group of people and so I was uh, while I was working um, in the sector, I was for many years I was looking for something else to do. What can I do to create a social impact? And I guess I was also influenced by my background as an immigrant, coming from a difficult country like Venezuela, that where right now we're we're facing humanitarian crisis, um, where you realize that life outside your home is not that easy. And that many many people they when they leave their countries they they do not choose to they're forced to um, so be putting all of that together you know that arriving to a country in the case of refugees or being an immigrant or being being alien in your own country because you haven't had the opportunities of other people um, to be able to offer something else through technology was something that for me you know was 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 a very powerful call one point that I want you to touch on, going back to your earlier point around businesses and those in the tech industry um, and, and almost um, working alongside them and working with um, 
the individuals that you work with from disadvantaged backgrounds. Yeah. How have you found pairing them up? What kind of skills do those people learn? And how important is it on a daily basis? Um, during the program? Yes, you mean. So, we, we were very fortunate that from the very beginning, we were receiving advice or creating a, a curriculum, a syllabus, together with professionals from the industry. So they were the ones that were telling us, this is what we need to teach to make sure that our students learn. So it was, it was not informed on a dry, abstract uh, set of content. It was based on actual um, needs from the industry. So imagine, imagine if you have a room with professionals from a specific sector who that, that's their living their day-to-day -day, and they're saying look this is what we need to this is what the, the students have to learn and what would those types of things be so um, what we're, we're training right now uh, our students in, in, in web development okay. yeah. so it's basically we, we're teaching them two parts the main part is the fundamentals of programming which is what is the language in a way, what's the language of computers? What kind of, what is the style of, of, um, of concepts that you need to know to be able to, to create a, a program? Yeah, to create a set of instructions that together they, they do something. So there is that this is fairly, fairly universal in programming. Depending on what language you learn, you will need these things. You will need to learn what variables are, you will need to learn functions, you will need to learn about if, you know, if, if you do something, then something is going to happen. You're going to need to learn about arrays. Um, so these are like very fundamental concepts. So we spend roughly half of the course on that fundamental step. And how long does the course last for? The whole course is eight months. Okay. It's part time. So it means people can continue with their lives, which is something that for us is really important because um, lots of people cannot afford to be full-time in, um, in a course, even if it was for free. So we are we're helping them, we're saying, okay, we're going to give you the maximum flexibility so you can continue working if you have to work, you continue being a mom if you're a mom, and then you, you, you spend part-time working for us. So it's in a hybrid learning approach, remote uh, for 70% of the time and the rest of the time face-to-face. Um, so going back to the to the aspect of the training, the second half is the one that is more into the the modern technologies. Yeah, so um, we we teach people those basic uh, frameworks and and stack that uh, is most used in the industry. So in the in the web development sector, uh, JavaScript is the most um, uh, popular programming yes. language. And then we, we, we will teach them like the whole stack around that. You know, they will learn a little bit of back-end technologies. They will do, will do a little bit of databases. And then they will learn a front-end framework called React, which is, again, extremely popular um, where you have you know, pretty much infinite amount of openings for that, for those kind of roles. And so after the eight-month training and course is over, what happens um, to the people that you work with then? So towards the end of the program, the last sort of chunk of work is a tech project. There, they will work in groups, 
and they will develop their first, you know, a first whole product, you know, what we call a full stack, both in the front end and the back end. Um, so, a full capabilities, a full piece of software, like the ones that you, you would find in a computer, but you basically they are in, in the web. And, and that is the, the, the final element that where they put together all the, all the knowledge from the tech skills, but also from the soft skills. How to work together, how to communicate, because you have to write so much code, you need to put it all together, it has to work. Uh, so that requires a lot of orchestration, a lot of uh, direction. And after they complete that project, then they will have a graduation. In that graduation, they will present what they have done to an audience, uh, which is formed of uh, people working for companies that are looking to recruit people, uh, but also volunteers who have been helping them along the way, graduates from previous programs who are there to support them. And that's going to serve as a springboard towards the first set of interviews um, for them to find employment. So that's sort of like the final stage of the, of the program where everybody's super excited to support them and to see um, all that effort put together. And you know, everybody is, is feels so proud to see how far they come in those eight months. From being people that have never written a line of code to people that are, that are ready for the job market. We work with any adult, we actually work 18 plus, sure. uh, and we have people of all ages. Okay, yeah. but it's really inspirational the fact that you're providing people with the skills to better themselves and people that are, want to get ahead and want to learn and want to develop is, is a great thing and there's something for them to do um, in order to grow as an individual but also in their career. But also that link between giving them real practical skills in order to make that transition to the job market whether it be from a different career they were doing previously um, or learning a new um, set of skills. So that's really important, I think, and something that needs to be do done more in order to improve our wider society and our economy. One question I wanted to ask was around how did how did you start this? Because obviously we were quite passionate about, um, you had the experience about coding and your, your background in tech. How did you come about starting the actual organisation was it a few friends or volunteers that started and how did it really grow to what it is today? So, um, while I was working in the tech sector, I, I spent quite a fair amount of time figuring it out what to do. Yeah. I knew I wanted to, to work on, on a, in a social impact project. Um, I wanted to see tech creating an impact in people's lives. But it wasn't really that straightforward, you know, you know what to do. And, um, and at some point I realized that the answer was not out there, that I had to create something. Um, I was lucky to be inspired by other organizations in, 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 in other countries in Europe that were uh, having taken a similar approach, especially during the refugee crisis in 2015, um, so that I could learn from what they were doing. So when I, when I started thinking, okay, I'm ready to, to, to do something in the UK, I basically contacted a few of them uh, particularly one in Amsterdam that that was you know had been doing a great job and I thought this is a great model so I, I, I approached them learned a little bit from them to be ready then to set up in the UK um, at the beginning it was it was myself that started 
reaching out to applicants, reaching out to NGOs, to other organizations, tell them about the project. We, and, and the best idea to, to start it was to say, we're going to do it. Even though we didn't have anything, no resources of any kind, um, no contacts, connections. Um, it's just to say, oh, we're going to do this. And, um, and the last call after we had a few applicants, um, NGOs, some of the NGOs were very proactive in, 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 in telling their clients about it. Then we started reaching out to other two volunteers in the tech sector and tell them, hey, by the way, there is this project. And then put the whole, you know, everything together. Applicants, which when we started, we were only working with asylum seekers and refugees. Since then, we have expanded to also other disadvantaged groups. We were putting in a room together refugees, uh, volunteers from tech, from as yeah, developers in a space that was that was offered, uh, and then the idea of like this is what we're going to do for over the next period of time. And that's really important what you mentioned about seeing what's out there already and building on those expertise, oh, yeah. so you don't make you know perhaps the same mistakes or you learn from people's mistakes, yeah. and you'll be able to develop something that's um, innovative, but at the same time really learning and developing and moving things forward as opposed to say, making the same mistakes as previously. Yeah, absolutely. There is no point on, on, on just being starting something in a vacuum. Yes. It's always it's very likely that somebody has done something similar somewhere. Yes. And people are very open to offer their, their advice and their support. Um, so I think that was that was very fundamental. I'm always great, very grateful for that support to start with. And can you give a few examples um, on some of the projects? So you you mentioned that just before the end of the eight month training, um, the people that you worked with throughout that time have projects. Can you give us a few examples of projects that they created, and also what have been some of the success stories moving forward? So you know the, the years that you've um, since you founded Code Your Future, what have been the really standout success stories that you'd like to share? Yeah, sure. So in terms of the projects, we, we have two types. Some of them are supporting other NGOs. So we are very keen to try to, to keep um, creating more impact. And then we think that the final projects can be a great way to, to help other organizations who maybe don't have the resources to work on projects. So um, we work, for, for example, with an organization called Crisis Classroom um, that, that, that trains um, other people on how to, to work with refugees that have been, you know, that, that have had uh, traumas in their, from, from their backgrounds. Um, so they, 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 they offer a bunch of classes and training to other teachers and they needed, they wanted to create a platform where, um, where they could create this um, template for every single class based on the, on the needs of a specific class. You could have almost like a drag and drop of a, a recipe of what to do for that class. And, and we had one, uh, one student who had met the founder of this organization back in Calais and he was then, he became a student of ours and, and he said, hey, I want to work in this project because they're doing a great work. And I said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And this was, of course, an MVP, very small project, but it's just, it, we created that service where people were following this step-by-step -step sort of like template builder for classes, which later they could take on to, um, to fundraisers, to grant givers, to tell them like, look, this is an, an, a pilot of what we want to build. And we build that for them. 
the other type of projects is internal code your future. Yes. Uh, because we have, uh, you know, we have a lot of digital needs as well. And um, one of the projects that we're most proud of is that we digitalized our application process. So the steps that the applicants have to follow to be able to be eligible to the program are now all completely from a, in a web service. So it means anybody anywhere in the world can apply to Code Your Future. They do not to be referred by anybody. They, need, they do not need to be asked for permission or sent any email. They're just gonna register online and then the service will tell them, okay, brilliant, you want to learn coding? Okay, this is the beginning of your journey. This is the step number one, do this. And then they will start learning the basics of programming through that. And all of that is completely open. Um, and we, we did that, it started as a, as a, as a, as a graduate project, then later on evolved, we got, uh, we got some funding from UFI to keep working on it, but the beginnings was just, was just that, uh, a final project. And um, with regards to so our success stories, you know, we're, we're so proud of, of, of so many people, um, but we are, you know, recently we, we had a graduate that really was, was so close to us. By the time when he applied to Code Your Future, he was an asylum seeker. And um, he had never done any coding whatsoever, um, and um, and he was, you know, he he was very shy at the beginning, very quiet. He had been in the asylum process for um, nearly two years, if I remember correctly. Um, and at the beginning, he was he was he was um, the 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 whole process was causing a heavy toll on him, as you may be familiar. The longer you spend in uh, looking for refugee status, the, the, the more you're likely to have uh, mental health issues. And, and you know, he was, he was suffering from that. Um, and at the beginning, we thought we were going to lose him because um, he, he was suffering, you know, he was a little bit detached and, and, and struggling. But the incredible thing was this, this, you know, this extra component about Korea Future that we are a community that we are here to, to be close to people, that everybody feels um, that they're joining, they're becoming part of something, you know, they're, they're, they're joining this wide, big family uh, where people become friends and people start spending time together and, uh, and, um, and you could see how slowly he started making friends and while he was learning the basics of programming skills. And um, a few months later, he was a different person. He was just growing so much. And he was struggling because he was still so scared of his process. But he kept, you know, he kept concentrated on, on learning coding. So he could put his mind away from the, uh, from the process into, into learning, into programming, into coding, which is something so powerful. And it was it was all so fantastic because by the time he started working on tech projects he was he was an incredible developer that couldn't find a job yet but then he graduated did an amazing presentation and a few weeks later he got his status oh, his brilliant. refugee status yes, yes. and um, you know everybody was so excited to to hear that yeah. and he was so good but you know, it happened something that you would never see among refugees, which is what within a few weeks he had received uh, two job offers from startups in, in London, and now he's working on a on a on a really well uh, good tech startup, 
and he's super happy. His life has changed. He transitioned from being an asylum seeker to to a refugee that is a junior developer in a in a thriving, in a thriving sector. And are you still in touch with him? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes. he's 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 one of the voices of Code Your Future. He comes to to encourage everybody and to tell them like this is possible. It works. You have to yeah. you have to trust yourself, trust the organization, and this is going to be possible. Because what we see a lot is um, from 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 clients um, on, on the charity sector is that after a while they have they have lost their confidence, their belief of what they can achieve, and it's really hard to help them if they don't believe in themselves. So through the community, you know, we do our best to try to really power them up, empower them, because I think that's the key. And that's you know that that's what you know the approach we want to take in, in this sector. Very inspirational because what you're actually doing is twofold. You're preparing people for the tech industry, so you're providing skills that they are going to need on a day-to-day -day basis. But you're also providing them with the soft skills, like leadership, communication, teamwork. Wherever you go in the world, you're going to need those skills. And it's the combination of those two that make you a well-rounded individual. And that's I think the essence of of part of your um, organization is to make you a well-rounded organization so wherever you go uh, and, it, and in many cases wh whichever career you go on to do you'll need those two sets of skills the both the technical ability but also the soft skills to really uh, have impact in people's lives yeah absolutely I mean th those elements are essential nobody's gonna hire somebody if you're not a a professional if you're not a person that knows how to work with others how to communicate so yeah absolutely the tech alone doesn't doesn't build a person to be a professional you need to have work on those um, so yeah I couldn't agree more and something that I wanted to touch on as well is around impact and how you measure that impact because obviously you've quite powerfully shared this the stories that you've seen in your in the organization how do you measure that impact um, so you know as a team that you're doing the best you can for the people that you serve because just speaking to you now you're very passionate about what you do and, and I imagine that you want to do more and more to help um, people from disadvantaged backgrounds yeah. and in, in many cases um, they may have much more ability than I do but they're not given that opportunity so in order to maximize and give as many people opportunity around the world how do you plan to kind of measure your impact and also prove that to other people who want to enlist on the program or perhaps give you funding yeah so um, the the one of the the, the our measurement points for us is on the how many people we get into the into the tech sector how many yes. people get employed um, so that's a, you know, a very important number for us because that means really we have helped somebody start a new life and, um, and at the moment we have a 70% success rate on those that are eligible to work. The vast majority of them uh, are basically joining uh, full-time full uh, work. Um, the other metrics that we, that we measure there um, more on the soft side but like very important for us as well and is basically how much our participants feel that belonging joining code your future has changed their lives at a personal level how much they have grown with their skills 
which we can we, we track because we follow their progress throughout the program but also how much they have they feel they have grown and they have understood what it is to be a professional whatever they decide to do later on um, and we have also very high you know you know high levels of satisfaction in that area so with that we really want to cover both sides is what is the impact that we get into employment you know the employment rate and what's the impact we have sort of like that sort of like internal level how much do I feel I grew by by being part of, of this organization and what have you seen the impact to be since you started um, I assume um, that it's gone on an upward trajectory but what has what are those numbers like in terms of how many people you're getting into the tech sector yeah so um, we we have so far graduated um, hundred people uh, into wow. the program yeah. we have many, and many others are like recently graduated but they haven't you know they, they're not we, we have six months until we, we measure six months to get into employment um, out of those 20% um, are asylum seekers so they're waiting to to um, to get into employment and the rest they have uh, uh, the, the, the other half of, of them the 50% they have uh, they have gained employment so with that covers together the 70% success rate from those eligible to work. And the incredible thing is anybody, from our point of view, anybody that graduates and is determined to become a developer, they will make it. It will might take them a little bit longer or, 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 or less than others, but they will, they will make it. If they stay with us, if they keep working with us following graduation because we keep following them, they will, um, they will be, they will succeed, uh, because um, this industry. If you're patient, you will make it. So, do you provide um, interview support and CV support and things like that? More after they've got the technical skills and they've built up their confidence, the leadership skills, the communication, teamwork skills. Do you provide that element of? that transition between looking for a job and getting into employment as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That, that is a, an essential component towards the end. We know that without that training, it gets really hard to, to find a job. So um, we actually have a whole team of uh, working on the personal development side of things, just on the, on the, on the soft skills, on the non-tech skills, supporting our students and graduates to, to have that practice that they need, to help them review their CVs, um, to, to do technical tests, and also to keep working on tech projects because that's what it's gonna, you know, the, the more experience they gain, the, the, more, the higher the chances of success. So keep, we keep working on that and we'll keep putting more and more effort to improve those um, that work. But yeah, absolutely, that's, it's, it's essential for success. And you mentioned that people that have gone through the program and, and gained employment are in the sector now. They come back and they support others that are going through it. Yep. What kind of value do they add to the people going through the program? Because they often see it from a perhaps a different perspective than you, somebody that's founded the organisation. They've been through it perhaps only recently. What value do they have? You seen them bring to? Oh, huge that impact! Work? Yeah, huge impact because you can you can speak. For example, I can speak to students for two hours, or one of our volunteers can say, "Believe in this, do this." Or you can have 10 minutes of one of our graduates tell them the same story, and they're gonna be so, they're gonna believe so much more the graduate because 
they are them. They're just yes. looking at a mirror. They're looking at a person who who understands where they're coming from, who has been through similar difficulties, similar challenges, and when they come and they are there, people just believe so much more in themselves. And you know, they become basically role models for the people that are coming after them, for other applicants and students. And and for us is in the future one of our values is that our graduates they they become the voice of the organization and they're the ones that have to speak if this if this is is this offering any value or not 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 me because for me yes I'm, I'm, I'm just the founder but I'm um, it is them the ones that they have to say they have to decide whether this is this is working or not so every time that we listen to them is it's incredibly inspiring it inspires volunteers, students, and, uh, and, and we, uh, we are so thrilled to hear their voices. You, you discussed a lot in terms of the program itself and, and what happens when they graduate and they go on to form successful careers. How do you get more people into the program? what you're marketing or advertising and I know some of that will be from other people that have gone through the program that will be part of it but how do you get kind of that pipeline of, of more students through that program yeah actually that, that's an area that we're putting now more and more effort because we really want to reach a point where anybody from a disadvantaged background that is interested in changing and starting a new career knows about us and yes. that, that's not a you know it's not a simple task uh, but we, as you say, word of mouth is incredibly important. It reaches out to the communities of, 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 the, of the people that have taken part in the course. Um, the second one that we use a lot is reaching out to NGOs, to other organizations supporting our target groups. We have in London alone a database of more than 100 organizations that we reach out to every time that we have a class. Different levels of success. Uh, we know that the, the sector suffers a lot from, from capacity issues and everybody's super busy and struggles to, yes. you know, to, to, to pay attention to other opportunities. Um, but but some, some organizations are very open to support and they get very excited to offer, um, to, to offer this, this opportunity to their clients or former clients. Uh, and the third one is that we, we try to, to, to do as sophisticated as possible social media campaigns. So, for example, um, for our upcoming London, Manchester, and Birmingham classes, or rather Northwest and West Midlands, because we cover whole regions, um, we downloaded the index of mass deprivation, 2019, just recently released, and start mapping the the most deprived areas into postcodes that um, social media tools uh, can use so that we could be as targeted as possible in our campaign. Um, and this is just one of the examples of what we, are, you know, what, what we try to do to reach out to those communities. Um, probably for early next year, we're going to start doing a new campaign to, to reach local libraries because we know loads of people hang on there and they, you know, they will become very good opportunity of target. Um, housing associations and job centers will be sort of like the next stage to, to get gather more and more of our you know, potential clients. And I just want to finish on 
the ambition for the future obviously you've the organization and you've achieved a lot in a short space of time and you've helped <coughs> hundreds of people in the process what's the ambition for the future what's the vision so for us we would like Kodi Future to become a movement um, an organization that channels the energy that people in society have to create impact no matter where they are in the UK or abroad to be able to to start uh, a new chapter of Kodi Future at a local level or in, in a region uh, with uh, minimum resources, but with the with the most important resource of all, which is other humans, other people with their skills and their experience. So, to be able to create, to map the whole process from beginning to end, um, so that people with certain certain ambition, mainly from a social entrepreneurship aspect, um, a group of people together can basically replicate Code Your Future. Um, so we would like to to to, to become that that out-of-the-box model that but at the same time connecting keep keep the whole organization connected and together yes, yeah. um, knowing that you're part of this bigger you know this bigger organization that is in many in many cities so that's basically what we want to do and how can people find out more about code your future um, on social media or online do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about that yeah, so um, you can go to our website, codeyourfuture.io, uh, follow us on LinkedIn, uh, also Code Your Future on Twitter, uh, Facebook. Um, you can send us an email if you're interested in partnering, if you think your organization will benefit, either um, if somebody knows somebody that works in companies that keep, keep complaining about the lack of diversity or not being able to find professional developers or NGOs that are interested in, um, in partnering and, 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 and support more of their clients. Um, they can reach out to us and we'll, you know, we'll come back to them very soon because we care a lot about that, that, that sort of uh, coalition of really working together. So if somebody um, in your position that, that you are in wants to do something similar to what you've done how do you think that they should go about it yeah so I would tell them to to reach out to to organizations like like ours or to contact me personally and say hey I, I, I have this idea what do you think because um, people sometimes are very shy on reaching out to others that they don't know but if they see there somebody else is doing something that they consider interesting should definitely reach out to them. People are so open, uh, open to to share their knowledge, their experience, like I did when I when I started. Um, and then potentially, if somebody is interested in, in, in starting something similar, um, you know, to consider if they want to basically become a founder at a local level of a Code Your Future chapter, because every every group that starts in a in a new city, they are founders. You know, and we are we're super proud to to welcome them and to empower them also in that level yeah. because that's what we see I think we think society needs more of that you know of, of that element that transition of oh people assume they need a lot of money to be able to start something or they need a lot of experience 
Whereas with organizations like ours, all you need is energy, enthusiasm, you know, and a, a clear, you know, vision of what you want to do to, to be able to create an impact. That's all you need. And that, and that exactly shows what you can achieve if you put your mind to it and you actually go for your goals. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's all about that, that, that goal setting and really just be, you know, relentless on what you want to achieve. It might take some time, it will not take a few weeks, it might take months, Yes. but you can, you can do it, you can make it happen. And I've just got one further question. When you speak about that you work with refugees all around the world, um, how do, do they work, like do you do like online meetings and things like that, so it's more accessible for people that are not just based in the UK but around the world? So at, at the moment, no. Yeah. Um, we we believe a lot that face-to-face -face is a very essential component. Even though most of the program is remote, the face-to-face -face is really important. What we're enabling right now is that anybody that wants to learn the basics of, of web development, they can apply to Code Your Future and the application process becomes a learning journey for them. And what we, you know, what we would like to do for the future is if somebody would be would start saying, I don't know, doing a call to, to get lots of people from their city to apply to Code Your Future, the tool will be there, available for hundreds of people to apply and to start learning. And then you would, you would basically create a market, because now you would have a number of applicants, so then the next step would be, oh, okay, so we need to find people to, to found this organization, but if you have already many people working in one city, then you can just go there and, and found it. So it's, it's becoming this this model that is like you know based on demand. If the demand is there, we'll go there. You know, we'll make it happen. We're already in, in, in Italy. Um, we have a pilot in Colombia. We are going to South Africa as well next year. And this has all been based on this this personal you know personal drive to start something. And we have learned so much from 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 them from starting these these new cities that we feel very confident that we'll have a model ready next year. We will really keep being iterated every year but to be able to take it anywhere. Lovely talking to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for yours. So a big thank you to Herman for his time, enthusiasm and sharing his knowledge with us today. We touched on a range of issues, particularly understanding the reasons behind why Code Your Future was set up, its unique approach in working with those from a disadvantaged background and with leading technology companies, which has proven a huge success, and its ambitious plans for the future. I know that Code Your Future will go from strength to strength, and I hope to invite Herman to speak to us again on the podcast to learn more about the success that I'm sure he and his organisation will have in future years. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you learned as much as I did throughout this podcast. If you have any ideas that you would like to be covered by us at Charity Chat, please get in touch at info at charitychat.org.uk. Thank you again for listening, and that just leaves me to thank our sponsors, Giant Squid Audio Lab, sponsoring our podcast kit, Madga Aksamit, for our website design, RR Yard Photography for our pro bono images on our website, and Forrester Falls, who have been playing throughout the podcast and are playing us out now.
Johnny. 